Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, travel, entertainment, pop culture, and more. You can also catch us online at Sci-Fi Radio, on Facebook, through BJ's Geek Nation, BJ Shea's Geek Nation. You can catch us on... Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L Central.com, keyword skewed, which is a network of papers that runs our game reviews. And of course, we have our skewed and reviewed magazine and syndication. Michael is tied up tonight, but we have Justin and Joyce e back for another uh, quick hitting episode. We've got a lot of stuff to cover, uh, but of course, we're going to be doing it uh, a little more uh, condensed than we normally do since we are focusing on what is going to be announced next week or in this case this weekend during the big game we've already seen a couple of uh, movie trailers such as uh, quiet place day one and if there's a lot more rumored but before we get into all of that it has also been a week of some surprising announcements and a lot of rumors so we've had steam doing the steam next fest a lot of demos a lot of video game stuff but then out of the blue yesterday, during a Disney earnings call, Walt Disney announced that they had partnered with Epic Games on a $1.5 billion investment by Disney to acquire an equity stake in Epic Games and to allow, as they're calling it, a world-class game experience that would allow Disney properties, and this is not just Disney, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Avatar, potentially Aliens, Predator, Planet of the Apes, everything they own to appear not just in Fortnite, but in other uh, properties they have yet to create. Now, uh, Justin, we'll start with you. What did you make of this one, since especially there was a lot of talk for years about, you know, they were going to get rid of uh, Lucasfilm, and they're going to get rid of this, and Disney's not interested in making, you know, games. They want to get out of the gaming business, aside from a little dabble here and there. They'd much rather license their products, and then they go and do this. Yeah, I'll be honest, it, it took me by surprise a little bit, just because um, last year or so, I think just if you kind of look at big picture, Disney has kind of been moving in the other direction a little bit. Um, been kind of downsizing slightly uh, around the edges. Uh, I guess trimming the fat. I guess you could you could say uh, because some of the some of the investments haven't really worked out, or that they're kind of on the uh, the other end of large mergers. Um, you know, Fox being one of them, where. Uh, you get on the other end of that, and then you kind of you know shift some things around. Um, and like you had mentioned, gaming for Disney has never really been a huge focus of theirs. They have obviously uh, licensed their products for different developers and publishers over time, but it has never really been their forte. Um, so this kind of took me by surprise a little bit, but uh, it's a it's a definitely a good investment. Obviously, Fortnite is uh, one of the biggest games, if not the biggest game out there right now. And not, not to mention, you know, Epic Games has a huge um, track record with technology as well, uh, with Unreal Engine um, being a huge um, uh, cornerstone technology of the, of the industry. So 
is really kind of i don't know if this is basically first step kind of thing obviously they didn't buy out epic games completely um but to me this does show an indication that they are interested in the field they're interested in obviously in the gaming industry uh in a much larger capacity than just uh you know maybe license out a title here or there um so i i do think that this is probably going to be something that that bears fruit later um you know maybe eventually they they fall under disney's umbrella and then who knows i mean that that would be pretty huge uh if epic games eventually ended up under disney um you know with all of their track record with not only technology but some of the biggest games in the gaming industry yep and joey c what do you have for us yeah i would agree i think this makes a lot of sense we've seen a shift from uh toys into games now i think the younger generation is going to be the first one where everyone male female and everything in between all play video games so i think disney's kind of realized that the best place to put their money is into that market which is going to be fortnite because they have one of the most popular and most uh reaching uh, games that's on the market right now They've already done a crossover with Thanos in one of their previous patches that did really well. I'm sure the numbers show that that sold a lot and made a lot of money and, you know, some of their other skins as well. So the fact that they've, you know, kind of partnered up and gone, you know what, we understand that this investment's for the future. This is where our audience is going to be and this is where they're going to want to see our IPs. So uh, excited to see it. I mean, it, it's, I mean, $1.5 billion is obviously not nothing to laugh about. So it, it is a huge investment and I'm sure Epic is uh, happy to get it, you know, from such a big market or, uh, uh, company. And what's interesting is there were rumors floating around that um, the merchandise sales are not where they had previously had them. And I kind of look at that going, well, I think you have to be a little more focused. Are we saying, the toys aren't selling like they used to. Okay, maybe I could accept that because anybody who's been on social media sees those people anytime Disney comes out with a new collectible coffee cup or something like that, just literally pulling them off the shelves as fast as they can get them. So the merchandise is there. You go into the parks and the shops are full. You go to downtown Disney, the shops are full. People are buying. But it's a case of, you know, go to shop Disney. They have everything from stuffed animals to clothing to whatever. But, you know, those are people in our age bracket. And, yes, you have the clothes and stuff for the little kids, but once you get past the stuffed animals, are they buying the play sets? Are they buying the Star Wars figures like they used to? Adapt them. So, hey, how about a Star Wars Fortnite figure or this and that? You ha Like you said, you go where the money is. Oh, and if you don't want a physical figure, let's go ahead and let's make a, um, you know, a skin for it or something like that go where the money is and it's really interesting because disney had uh an earnings call not surprising the parks the hotels the theme the cruise ships are doing really well they did lose roughly i believe the number was 1.2 million subscribers to disney plus but yet there was a path toward profitability and i kind of got a laugh out of that because they announced that they are going to be the exclusive home for the Taylor Swift concert movie. And not only that, they're going to have four additional songs plus Cardigan, which apparently wasn't featured in the movie that was in the tour. This is the whole thing uncut. I'm like, that that right there is a, just going to be huge. Now, obviously, the trick is going to be you don't want people signing up and then the moment they see the, the show until they're tired of it, uh, 
you know, dumping the service, but it is a step in the right direction. And then you, we've talked in the past about the elaborate plans they have to expand the park and not just in one area. I found out today, this one really blew my mind. Apparently in Tokyo Disneyland, they're setting up for Space Mountain, the final launch. And I'm like, oh man, how could you think of getting rid of Space Mountain? Apparently they're not. What they're doing is they're building a newer Space Mountain experience right next to the old one. They're going to get rid of the old classic one and they're going to have this new reimagined state-of-the-art future version of Space Mountain. I'm like, yeah, that works. Yeah, that I, works. Think you, I think you brought up a good point, Gareth. You know, I think really what the shows is how Disney's expanding their portfolio. You know, when COVID hit and the cruises shut down, they weren't making money off of the uh, like uh, streaming slash gaming world as much as they probably could have. So this is probably kind of something to cover it a little bit as well as expand. Because to your point, toys are always going to sell. But I'm sure Disney's looked at what's happened to Hasbro and gone, we can't fall on that route where only one or two or three of our things are doing well. We need to make sure we cover all our bases. Absolutely. And, you know, it was so funny because as they're doing this call – You've heard all these people. Disney's going woke. The movies aren't big. Marvel's done. Their Star Wars stinks under Disney. La, 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 la. And yet, whenever they release a new trailer, like they did for Inside Out 2, it set a viewing record. <laughs> and yep. what I got a laugh out of was, I mean, you talk about Bob Iger having a flair for the dramatic. And this is what I keep saying. There is an elaborate chess game going on here, folks. They're dropping all this stuff at the earnings call. They still have uh, the rebranded Disney D23 Expo coming in August. This is where, on top of showing all this stuff, they bring out a cavalcade of stars and announce what they've got coming in the next couple of years for big and small screen, as well as the parks, as well as the cruise lines and all of this. So I'm saying, if they've got all this to talk about now, just imagine what's coming. And to basically come out and say, Oh, yeah, uh, Moana 2. Uh, it's almost done, and it's coming out this fall. Blew people's minds. And then to show a teaser trailer and go, yeah, yeah, we're still doing the live-action version. That'll be down in a year or so, but the sequel's out. And uh, it's going to be, you know, Inside Out 2 first in June, Moana 2 in November. That's our Thanksgiving movie for the year. And uh, there you go. And then, oh, don't worry about it. Zootopia 2 is coming out next year. And... Uh, while we're at it, we have Frozen 3, Toy Story 5, and The Mandalorian and Grogu, as well as the Disney Ray film. And they sit there and they drop this massive, uh, you know, lineup of stuff, including all these Marvel films, all these animated films, live action films, Star Wars films. And you're like, yeah, that's pretty impressive. And what I found really interesting was the curveball they threw everyone the day before that nobody really caught it completely caught them off guard when they bought fox they had to get rid of fox sports because they owned espn and there was this whole thing about oh no 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 you can't own two regional sports things in the market well lo and behold they come out and they said oh um fox sports espn warner brothers discovery are teaming up to launch a new streaming sports service we're each going to own one third so it gets around all of that and we're going to launch it in the fall and people are like, do you realize this could be basketball, football, baseball, hockey, everything. Bang, right there, one package. Oh, and man. <laughs> that's a potential game changer right there. 
I mean, I can imagine as a sports fan myself, I can tell you how frustrating it is to have to pay for an NFL ticket, you know, Sunday ticket, you know, Red Zone, and then you've got the MLB networks and NBA TV. It's just like, there's too much. Yeah, and they say, and it's going to be available to Max, Hulu, and ESPN Plus uh, subscribers. So I'm just sitting there going, if they were to accidentally get rid of ESPN Plus and make that the new ESPN Plus, I would love that because I can tell you down here in Arizona, I get frustrated when I try to watch a Seattle Mariners game and, you know, get my daily dose of abuse and having my uh, hopes dashed <laughs> and to find out that, oh, this is not in your area and this is not in your area and this is not in your area. And I basically have to wait till they're either a national game on ESPN or something or they're playing the local team. And it's like, yeah, that's that's just charming. So, you know, great news. Justin, I know you're not a huge sports person, but what do you make of that one? I think it's it's definitely a good deal. Um, kind of like what you were saying. I mean, it's because so, there's it's so spread out of, across all these different platforms. I, I think you know, it, just a, any way to kind of streamline it, I think is a it's going to be a big win for for anybody. Yeah, I think so. And then you know, if that wasn't enough information. Then we have the whole Marvel situation. So this weekend, we're expecting the first trailer for Deadpool 3. Deadpool versus Wolverine, Wolverine versus Deadpool. We've heard all these titles. And then this little nugget came out. So we all know that the grand plan for Marvel was to do an extended series where Kang the Conqueror is basically the bad guy, similar to how Thanos was all leading to this big thing as we had the Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, so on and so forth. And then the legal troubles popped in, um, all kinds of hassles. We know the Fantastic Four is coming. Some people thought Doctor Doom might pop in. And then this curveball comes in. Actor Josh Brolin has revealed that he's heard that his villain, the character of Thanos, may potentially return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not... Um, you know, what if or anything like that. So, um, very odd. We'll start with you, Justin. What would you think about them bringing Thanos back? Uh, I'd honestly be a little mixed on, on that. You know, I, I, I get a little weary about like the bringing back characters, you know, especially if it, if it ended well, you know, I, I think if you have a saga and yeah, and that the whole Thanos kind of story arc, um, you know, was so well set up and executed and, and ended ended so so brilliantly. Um, you know, when you when you bring a, a villain like that back, it kind of cheapens the the whole story that that came before that kind of that sent them off, uh, as it were. I mean, it's go, it's the same way it goes the same way that uh, you know if you had a really good send off for you know, uh, a good character, like a protagonist. Um, and then you kind of bring them back sometime later, you know, it kind of robs the, the moment, uh, uh, of, of, you know, how they, the, the ending of their story, if, if another way to put it. Um, so I guess it depends on how it, how it's done, but I, I guess the other aspect of it too, the other side of the, the argument is that this is really kind of just the nature of, uh, comic book characters to begin with i mean in comic book plot lines this happens all the time you know they'll you know retire a character basically they'll have some big shocking death and, and then 
uh, a couple years later, there's a there's a, some plot line that comes up, and they're and they're back. I mean, th- there's Marvel characters that have died dozens and dozens of times at this point. Uh, so I, I guess it really depends on how it's executed. Uh, you know, maybe it's just a cameo. That, uh, obviously, we're missing a lot of context, so maybe it's a cameo. Maybe it's something that take, takes place in the past. Maybe they go to a different universe and they like, run into a different Thanos, but he's not like central to the story. Uh, so who knows? You know, maybe maybe it's something that's you know, a little bit more uh, of a smaller role. But I I really think that the the MCU needs to kind of evolve forward um, instead of looking backward. And I know that the that the King kind of storyline hasn't really caught on the same way that the Thanos one did. Uh, but I, I think they would be better served by kind of moving forward into. I don't know, maybe Doctor setting up Doctor Doom as a potential. I know that's been talked about uh, before that he could p- potentially t- kind of take that role um, in a uh, similar capacity uh, going forward. So maybe th- that's sort of what I think is where they should kind of lean their on, on their efforts. Joey Z, what do you make of that? Yeah, my biggest complaint with this recent phase of Marvel is it really doesn't feel like it's expanded the universe. I feel like it's shrunk. And with the multiverse kind of having this opportunity to do anything, I really feel like bringing back Thanos is almost pointless. I would hope that it's, in a sense, either a cameo or it's an attempt to make him almost like a good guy now to fight someone. But, you know, we still don't have a villain. Like, as much as I loved Kang for all of the drama behind the scenes of the movies with the actor himself, um, you know, Jonathan Majors, I don't really know what they're trying to build to now. And so if you're going to bring back Thanos, I mean, my hope would be that it's to do something of note and uh, to mimic what Justin said. Otherwise, it's just going to you know, kind of cheapen exactly what's happened already because that's that was Tony Stark's send off. You know? And so if we're not bringing back Robert Downey Jr. in the cast, you know, then I don't I hope that Thanos wouldn't come back either. But, you know, if that's their way of spoiling, hey, you know, we might bring back the whole cast for some movie for some reason. I think that would get everyone back to the theaters and about what, right back into the Marvel universe so who knows maybe it's kind of a little bit of a hint absolutely now on a little bit of a side note gaming wise movie wise we have the strikes we're all back from that we're looking forward to shows coming up i've already got san diego comic-con phoenix fan fusion WonderCon panels uh getting ready for the interviews again But we always talked about the issue that was still out there that was not getting a lot of attention in the media, and that was that of video game actors. Well, the other day, SAG-AFTRA sent me an email to let me know that they have uh, come up with a new tiered video game agreement that goes between the talent and uh, the studios, and this will cover games at a production budget between $250,000 and 15 million. Now, I'm very curious about this because generally triple A games like Call of Duty and stuff are rumored to have budgets well over 150, 200. Some even say some of these games could hit 300 million, and this is even before uh, marketing. So I'm not going to read the whole thing for you, but here's how it goes. Apparently, there's customized session rates for tiers between 250,000 to 1 million, 1 million to 5 million, and 5 million to 15 million. So basically, it simplifies and streamlines the base language of the incentives and media agreements. It captures project success with secondary payments that can be paid out at or prepaid at a reduced rate and requires informed consent and comp- 
compensation for the use of a digital replica of a performer. And that was a huge issue. I had somebody on social media the other day was complaining about them uh, having four days of work on a movie, doing costume fittings, so on and so forth. And then they got out there and the studio said, okay, we got to scan your likeness. They refused to let their likeness be scanned because their attitude was, well, you can do whatever you want with this. Their response was, no, we can only do what we want with this under the agreement that your union agreed to. And if you don't do this, you don't work. And they chose not to work. So, uh, Joey Z, what do you make of this? So, if I'm not understanding this correctly, the idea is to essentially kind of couple on to what they're doing with AI, where it's like, you know, if you're going to use me or any part of me in the future, I kind of want to get paid for it. And this is an attempt to kind of cover that and, you know, hopefully provide money to the actors themselves. Yes, uh, it consent, and it also provides a, um, a structured, essentially a more organized salary structure. If you remember correctly... Uh, we had that one uh, situation where an artist was claiming, I only got offered X number of dollars for being in a game, and it's unfair, and it wasn't right. And then other people said, well, you know, the fee that you were offered was, you know, in keeping with some of the other salaries for these type of games, and you can't be expected to be compensated for voice work like you can for physical acting, uh, voice working games, so on and so forth. There's been a huge uh, thing about, well, you know, if you don't think $15,000 is, is good enough compensation to come in and do your lines, that's fine. But if you don't, someone else will. And, well, quality over quantity, and it, it's a huge mess. We've heard this forever in pretty much every business. From what I understand is it's saying if your budget for your game is between this and this, this is the agreed-upon structure, and you do have to pay them based on uh, sales, although you can agree that, hey, rather than give you a cut of sales, we're going to give you this bump right up front well, at a good. reduced rate. So it's, I think the idea is to make it more streamlined that you're not going to walk in and say, hey, hey, 15 grand, right? 15 grand or 100 grand, right? And you find out the person down the road got 200000 because – you know, whatever. I think it's a, a more structured tier. I do and like also, they, we can't use your image without yeah, I do your like, consent. I do like that they structured it into three chunks. I will say that they are rather large ranges, so I do hope that, that kind of at least allows people to, you know, get more of a handle on what they're going to be walking into. Uh, it does seem more umbrella-based, where it's like, oh, we're going to capture you within this and this and this, so you kind of know, like you said, you if you're going to make 15000 well, at least you'll know, well, why is the budget this then? So that's good. So there's a little bit of clarity there for the, the people themselves. But these things are always tough to see until they play out. Because I feel like, you know, if there's loopholes, there's loopholes. And somehow, you know, you know, if they're making enough money, they find ways to save money. And hopefully that does help uh, fix that situation a little bit. And, of course, it varies quite a bit. But let me try to give you a context before we get um, Justin's uh, feedback on this. So according to some information I got, it said newcomers to the industry. So like if we walked in right now and said, hey, we're going to record a video game. We, well, most of us have never done it before. Um, you're going to get 100 to $250 an hour. Now, if you're a union member, 
you get a day wage, which ranges from anywhere from $450 to $2,000 a day. Now, I don't know about you. Um, I would be very thrilled to receive $450 to $200 for doing that. That being said, there's a difference between the video game stuff I did where I set up my desk like I'm doing now and recorded my lines into a microphone and sent it off to them and said, which, you know, one of these two, three, four lines do you want to keep versus sitting in a studio all day long with uh, a script? And I mean, not that I didn't have lines, but you get what I'm saying. But then here's one for you. Uh, apparently, somebody who worked on Grand Theft Auto received $100,000 for his work. However, it included 15 months of work and voice acting and motion capture work. So, you know, people say, wow, that's good money. And you go, the guy got paid $100,000 for uh, one year and three months. And it uh, doesn't say whether he was allowed to do other jobs during that time. Don't know about you, but you go to most people and say, hey, uh, $100,000 and you're living in Southern California might be a little might be a little tricky for some people. Okay. Justin, your take on all this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult for me to opine on specifics because uh, the way I kind of approach a lot of this is that I, I wouldn't really know what I how I would feel about it unless I was in that situation myself. Because uh, obviously the, the people that are you know, most affected by it are uh, the ones that have the, the most detail about the, the, the facts on the ground, I guess. So all of the different variables at play. So like you had mentioned, so you know, where they live, obviously the cost of living in that area, that that comes into play, you know, there's comparisons to other industries and things like that. So that's, I guess that's where my mind kind of uh, floats to is, to me, it, uh, I would kind of look at different agreements um, for, say, voice work on, uh, on movies, uh, so like animated movies, animated television shows, CG movies, CG shows um, are not to say that voice work for those and games are the same. They might uh, require different levels of uh, motion capture work, but they're at least comparable, at least a little more comparable than, say, like live action, uh, like you've been cast in a, in a TV show or a movie. Um, so that that's probably where I would go is kind of looking at the different agreements, um, and you know maybe the same kind of issues are are present in uh, you know for voice actors in uh, animated uh, works as well. So I guess that's kind of where, where my mind is at. It's hard to it, but it is you know to go back to what I was saying. I think it is difficult to opine on the specific details uh, unless I was a voice actor and I kind of had more. Uh, you know, variable knowledge on what what the facts on the ground are um, for what should be normal, what what others in the industry consider normal. Um, but it's just like with anything, it it really is a, a negotiation between two parties that uh, are really they they need each other. So the, uh, the the game producers and game developers obviously need the voice actors and vice versa. So uh, hopefully it it gets ironed out. I mean, a lot of these different uh, conflicts lately between uh, actors and uh, actors, writers, and you know, w with their producers. It does seem like in the end, 
they've come most of these different industries have come to agreements that um you know maybe not satisfied everyone but has been kind of a, at least a step forward and Joyce, did you have something else you wanted to add to it no that's perfect i agree yeah i'm, just re- I'm reading over it a little bit it does seem like it's going to provide a lot of protection for people now which is definitely i think their goal and uh We'll see as the time goes on when it comes to AI and how that works into it, too, because now, you know, what if an AI can replicate your voice and you get compensated for that? It's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And, you know, and it's funny. And somebody said to me, well, you've been on, you know, small independent movie sets and you've been involved with gaming stuff and da 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 da. And, you know, and I said, yeah, but you got to understand there's a huge difference. When I did Prefontaine, it literally was I saw something in the paper. They wanted people to come out sit in the stands and they were going to pay, I, I want to say it was like a hundred bucks a day or something. And I thought, okay, Hey, what the heck I can come out and watch this. And they gave away prizes and they had, you know, food for us and, and so on and so forth. And yeah, it was day two or whatever. They tapped me on the shoulder, said, Hey, we'd like you to play a reporter. They, you know, things get expanded and people are like, Oh, that's so great. And it's like, yeah, sure. You know, you, the food and the stars and all that. And it was fun. It was a great experience. And they go, you know, and then you went on Uva Bowl's film sets and stuff. And, you know, those weren't paid gigs because you were up in Canada and so on and so forth. And I said, right. And there's a difference. There's a difference between I'm here to do a story. There's difference between, hey, you know, why not? It might be fun to go up and spend a day doing this. There is a big difference when that is how you have to pay the bills. And that is what you're doing you know people are like oh what about this thing that you've got coming up and i said there's a difference between being interviewed for a documentary and saying i'm coming out for months on time recording dialogue and motion capture doing hard physical work uh or time consuming work day in and day out and i got to pay my bills on this so you know those are all things that you have to basically contend with and deal with and so um you know, it's nice to see a standard going in. So at least some of these people know that when they approach these jobs, they have an idea what they can expect. Now, one of the other things that came out this week was a lot of rumors about Microsoft and the Xbox. We had a lot of rumors going around that things like Indiana Jones and Starfield would be making their way to the PlayStation 5 and to uh, some of their other titles that if the switch is capable of running them uh they might make it out there things like hi-fi rush gears of war sea of thieves so this started a whole thing about okay so xbox titles are not going to be always xbox exclusive uh pc exclusive we know that they had to have an agreement in place with call of duty to make sure it was available on other platforms but this led to all kinds of speculation that perhaps Microsoft is tired of lagging behind Sony. They are tired of lagging behind uh, Nintendo. And basically, they're moving away from the hardware business and going back to what is essentially the core of their company, and that's software, and that they'll be making software for multiple platforms with this big umbrella of titles they have, such as the Bethesda titles, the Activision Blizzard, so on and so forth. And um, there's been a lot of talk. Phil Spencer is going to be coming out sometime next week. He's been touting a big business update event that should answer questions about the future of Xbox. 
uh, so on and so forth, speculation like crazy. Well, now some parties are coming out saying, no, they're actually going to be announcing some newer consoles, including one that is portable, similar to the way the Switch works, essentially a new Xbox that has two SKUs, a console version, and essentially a portable version. But yet others contradict this, saying, well, uh, they may not have a crucial contract in place with a vital hardware developer, which could delay them coming to the market. So, a lot of rumors, a lot of speculation. Joy Z, what do you make of this? Well, you know, I guess I'm a little surprised, but at the same time, we know that consoles themselves don't actually make the company, Microsoft or Sony or anyone, a whole lot of money. It really is the games themselves, sales of controllers and accessories that make a lot of money in that specific area. I, I mean, I wonder if this is a, a weird, let's get out of the game early before things go virtual, maybe, because people are anticipating more 3D experiences, and with that, you're going to need a headset or something. So they, they're like, well, maybe we'll shift over there at some point. Or maybe it's smoke and mirrors, because they have an idea that they want to release something else completely, like even maybe a different kind of console, like you said, a more handheld one. Uh, but I am a little surprised. But Sony has been winning that war for a while, and, you know, Nintendo has essentially a, a chokehold on the, on their Switch-like portable ability and fun and skew to a, a younger audience. So uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens in the future. But, uh, I mean, I, the Xbox was, uh, I think, was the S or one was the last one I bought. So, uh, you know, I guess I guess that might be the last one. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, Justin, what do you make of this? Yeah, it's very interesting uh, to kind of go back to what you were saying, I, I don't think anyone really knows exactly what's going on, because uh, uh, similarly, I've read rumors flying all over the place, literally contradicting the last rumor. Uh, so I don't think even people within Microsoft have no idea what uh, what's going to be announced next week um, uh, by Phil Spencer. I think they're probably keeping this very high, high up. Whatever it is, though, it's probably going to be, uh, I think, a fairly big shift. I don't think they would do an event like this unless there was some kind of big announcement. Um, you know, I guess I lean a little more towards, I, I think it being plausible that they are maybe not not stepping away from hardware, but uh, just to highlight what you were saying earlier, essentially kind of shifting more to becoming more open uh, to having a, their, their closer IPs on multiple platforms. And I think there's a lot of evidence for this because uh they've been kind of moving in this direction anyway for a very long time and to be frank sony and nintendo have been too but um microsoft in particular have they've kind of had this model for years where their games will release kind of simultaneously on on windows um along with xbox and that is kind of a sign that you know the the old model where you use exclusives to push hardware um, it seems like most of the uh, the big ones. So Nintendo, um, Nintendo is still very much you know, keeps their first party close to their chest. They haven't really put their first parties on other uh, platforms, but uh, they have licensed out their first parties in, into kind of mobile spaces and you know with film and television and things like that. But both Sony and Microsoft have been much more willing to put very big games on other platforms, not necessarily their direct competitors, but usually, you know, on computer, uh, on PC, either Windows or uh, through Steam or something like that. Um, 
So I think it's plausible that they kind of announced like, hey, we we will have bigger titles on Sony uh, platforms and Nintendo ones if 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 they can support it. And uh, maybe they shift the Xbox into into basically being more of a uh, um, kind of for for people that are really, you know kind of connoisseurs or people who are really into the industry to get like something uh, uh, beefier that's more expensive. Um, I, I think they could might maybe move into that model. Microsoft has always struggled a little bit with hardware, but I guess the other side of the argument is of, of the hardware projects in Microsoft's portfolio, the Xbox has clearly been the most successful. Uh, they've dabbled in various, over the decades, into different uh, hardware projects, and, and Xbox is really the only one that I can think of that really has been successful, like, largely successful and yes lately i think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that maybe they kind of shift their business model a little bit but i don't necessarily mean think that that makes the the xbox go away i think it just kind of means like hey you know you can we're still offer a platform for you if you need it but you're going to probably see our games on other platforms yeah it's a very very interesting uh debate because We've heard for ages their focus is on content delivery, like Game Pass. They want to see Game Pass really take off. They want to see it extended. They want to see it expanded. And, you know, we've heard stories like could they potentially open the door to Sony and Nintendo joining them on Game Pass, saying, you know, you, you sit there and you go, yeah, that never happened. But then look what we just had, you know, three major sports streaming providers said, yeah, let's all work together and make one big boom, the buck stops here project. So it, it is a very, 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 very interesting uh, situation. And I will definitely be looking forward to that. Now, of course, this weekend we have the big football game. We have all the trailers coming out. We just had the Quiet Place Day One trailer drop we've had new dlc for call of duty drop so uh before we wrap it up gentlemen is there anything in on the horizon that you are really absolutely hoping that we get to uh have a look at this weekend trailer wise uh i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out there just one for dune um i don't know if dune's gonna get another you know final trailer but we're we're getting down to the wire uh dune's coming out soon so hopefully we get a maybe one final trailer for it okay and joyzy what do you have oh i'm an easy i'm an easy person to to please these days i just want to see hugh jackman and more of that wolverine yellow costume (laughs) you know i want to see what deadpool's all about uh that's the one we've been waiting for and that's what i'm most excited for oh that would be great I would like to see Alien Romulus, now that it's been officially um, confirmed as that's the title. But I um, can tell you, I would say Doom. Doom I'm expecting. I'm expecting Inside Out 2. And obviously Wolverine. And I think we're going to get Twisters. I've been told that's a very likely thing. Possibly Despicable Me 4. Uh, because yeah, I'm trying to remember it. It's Disney, Warner, and I think Paramount are the three that they've said 
who have stepped forward uh, to buy ads. Now, of course, how much is going to be TV? How much of it is going to be, um, you know, theatrical-based? Who knows? But I did see what was supposed to be a teaser poster for Twisters, and I'm curious how that's going to play out. But, of course, I think Deadpool is going to be the big one. But, man, if they were to drop something completely unexpected, uh, this would definitely uh, go well. And that's, you know, that's kind of the thing where I think we're all going to be talking about it Sunday night, Monday morning. So let's uh, get all ready, get excited, and see what the future holds. And, folks, that is going to do it for us this week. We will be back next week. Hopefully we'll have the full crew back in place. Until then, take it easy, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.